the church of those called out ones that have been separated out. Peter said you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You don't belong to this world. You have gotten out of the kingdom of darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of his dear son. You are the church. And he could say, here, old church. Talking to church folks now. You might need to listen and then do what is said in the word. Welcome to the light of the world. And this is Jerry G. Martin. Moses spoke to God's people and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Peter spoke to the church and say, We need to continue growing up spiritually. We're going to share these messages with you today to help you to know that God is one and that you should keep growing spiritually. Come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's word. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Once we are saved, we are literally out of this world. What does alien mean when Peter said we're alien? That word aliens actually means alongside the house. Not in the house, but alongside the house. The world came to define any person who lives in a country not his own. And therefore, he is a foreigner. When you come into this country and you are not a citizen, you may have a passport. You may be able to go to the same restaurant. You may be able to go and do a lot of the things that I can do, but there's a line that get crossed where we start identifying who's citizens and who's not. You are still an alien. That's not a bad word. It just means that you're not from here. And you are not a citizen. So we are not a citizen of the world because we have been born again into the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Well, you've been born into a new kingdom. You've been born into a new kingdom. That's why Jesus did a lot of teaching on the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God functions like this. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is because we weren't used to living in the kingdom of God. We were used to living where if you slap me, I'm going to slap you back. Jesus said, if somebody slap you, turn the other cheek. We said, we ain't doing that. He said, you got to grow into that. Aliens fit Christians who do not belong to this world system, but live alongside of those who do. So you got to work next to somebody who functions in the world system, right? You got to work next to them. The world just roll all up on you. So you can't escape the things of the world, but you're right alongside of it. They're putting pornography right in front of you every day now. Y'all see it. And some of y'all look at it a long time. Your kids that you want them to have a phone can be watching stuff that you didn't see until you got to be 30 years old. And you wonder why they're acting crazy when they're 12. He's got an addiction. You're going to get your underage child a phone. It ought not do nothing but rain. You got him, he going all online. He can go anywhere you want to go on, his, on your phone you paying for. You don't know where they're at. That's the cyber world that they get off into. Somebody told me the other day, I've got this problem with my son. He don't want to go to school anywhere. He just like to get on his computer and go off in there and stay in there eight hours a day doing stuff. See, that suck you into another world. People get addicted. They're going on in. And then when they come out and their eye turn green and you just wonder what's wrong with them. They don't mind shooting up everybody in the house because they done shot up everybody in the virtual world. We didn't train him like that. No, you didn't. Somebody else did. 
And we're going to say he stayed eight hours on the computer. You won't bring him to church. But that's the world. That's the world system. That's what the world put at you. You know, we were watching TV, Pastor Jack and I, one night. We were trying to watch this movie. And I started counting the commercials on the commercial break. That's 16 of them. You don't think that's going to influence you? They ain't spending that money for nothing. A little message here, a little message here. I'm saying, now, what's this woman in this bikini got to do with selling a dump truck? The world, they're giving you their messages. They're telling you how to think. And somebody was wondering why our country and our culture seem to be messed up, the politicians and everybody. I said, you want to think about it like this. Back in the 60s, when the culture began to change in the world, and it was free love, it's the me generation, right? All the songs came out, I gotta be me, I did it my way, all of those things like that. Drugs, sex, parties, free love. That was back in the mid to late 60s. The people that were back there my age, they're running the country. (laughs) That's the politicians now, the legislators, the judges. It was my generation that first started saying, we don't care what you do, just do your own thing. So now we can say, yeah, we don't care. You want to marry a man, go and marry a man, dude. I don't care. It takes generations for that stuff to get there. They start coming out the closet. Turn on, tune in, drop out was the motto. That's the world system. You don't think you've been influenced by that? Believers are saying the same thing. Well, you know, I can't tell people who to marry. You know, if that's two consenting adults, I think they ought to have the right to do what they, the Christians are saying that, the believers. A woman should have a right to do what she wants to do with her own body. No, she don't. You ain't got no right to do what you want to do with your body. If you think so, take your body on in somebody else's house and break in there and see what happens. (laughs) Go sit in somebody's house and say, I got the right to do what I want with my own body. I can move it where I want to move it. No, you can't. That's what the world system says. And after a while, we start repeating it. Oh, see, y'all getting quiet now. It's easy to talk about the world and it's something out there. But we'll think like the world, we will agree with what the world says, and we'll be quiet when the world says it. We won't, we won't even raise a, our voices up and say, no, 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 that's not godly, that's not biblical, and I'm not going down that pathway. So even though salvation produces a new disposition with the desire to live a holy life, our new life remains incarcerated within the old, unredeemed human flesh. Then we have an an ongoing battle between the spirit and the flesh. I'm not talking about somebody who we have to point out. I'm talking about everybody have this battle between the spirit and the flesh, no matter how long you've been saved. The good news is that we are no longer slaves of unrighteousness and sin is not our master. When you're unsaved, sin is your master that you have to obey. But when you're saved, you volunteer and sin. You can still sin while you're saved, but you volunteer. You say, I think I want to do that. He said abstain, which means you have the ability to do that. You have the ability not to abstain. He says abstain signifies that the saints have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to restrain from lustful flesh or sinful desires. The term sinful desires are not limited 
to sexual immorality, but encompasses the evils of humanity's sinful nature. Paul said this about the sinful nature in Galatians chapter 5, 19. The acts of the sinful nature. You want to know what the acts of the sinful nature are? You can check that and see if anybody you know have any of these. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. There are sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord. Now we start getting into territory where hatred, discord. Discord means that you don't like what somebody just told you and you're going to tell them about it, but not with love. You're going to give them a piece of your mind with a little piece you got left. You're going to get that away. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and he said, if I miss something, he said, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Peter says that these lusts will wage war against our souls. It is the character of lust and cravings to war against our new heart that God has given us and he's created within the soul of every believer. I give you a new heart. King James said that these lusts will wage war, indicating a military campaign. These lusts got a campaign. They are deliberate. They are on purpose. It's waging war against us. He's not just meddling and aggravating, but it is a relentless, molecular insurgence into our lives to wage war against us. And since it takes place in our own soul, it's a civil war on the inside of every person. That's why Paul says we have to put on the whole armor of God to fight this war, for we wage war not against flesh and blood, but against wickedness and principalities. That spiritual warfare is not your neighbor turning over your garbage can. It is what you plan on doing to your neighbor after he turned on your garbage can. That's where the war is in your own mind. He turned over my garbage can, I'm going to break his window. That's what, <laughs> that's what a spiritual war is. How are you going to love your neighbor? No, I went home uh, a year or so ago, and uh, my neighbor had put a note on my car to not to park in front of his house anymore. My next-door neighbor, my kind, friendly next-door neighbor. <laughs> I had no problems with at all. But a note, please don't park in front of my house. You know, and I said, ah, it's no problem. But by the time I got to the end of the street after reading the note, I said, he don't own the street. <laughs> That's a public street. And he has no right to tell me not to park in front of his house. I park wherever I want to park. But I didn't park in front of his house. A couple of months later, I saw him. He had parked in front of mine. <laughs> what did my mind tell me? Go put it right on note and put it on his car. Y'all already know how to see that? Y'all in the same war I'm in. <laughs> put a note on his car. Say, don't you park in front of my house. But I didn't do that. I just left it alone. But I sure wanted to. Just to let him know. Well, see there? You never know where you might have to park. There's always an arrow or something, no matter where you are, that which will come and try to entice you to do something that you shouldn't be doing. And that's what Peter is saying. He says, a personal godly discipline that you need 
that is inward and private, that you know, when, you, when you're not saying anything to anybody, those thoughts will still come in your mind and your heart about what you could do, shouldn't do, or whatever you might be. You go to the store to buy something and you found that somebody left something there. They left the purse out there in the, in the basket outside in the car, right by your car. They left their purse in the basket and you just see it sitting there. And you have been praying that the Lord will, will have a supernatural <laughs> blessing. You've been praying. You've been believing God. You've been calling those things that are not as though they were. God says, I'm able to make all grace abound toward you so that at all times you'll have all that you need. And you open it up and there's nothing but cash in there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> That's God. That's the answer to my prayer. The Lord know how to do it. Amen. He let the devil drop this purse right here. Now, you know that ain't your money. So if we're going to influence the world around us, we need to start with a personal commitment to a godly life. Start with a personal commitment. A lady gave me too much change. I took it back to her. She was like surprised. I'm surprised you would bring it back. I said, yeah, but I'm the pastor. (laughs) Mm. I would have taken it back anyway. Don't you take it back? Hallelujah. I I know y'all do. That's why I love this church. Glory to God. Take it back. Take it back. Secondly, Peter encourages a personal godly demonstration that is outward in public. He says this, live such good lives among the pagans. Now, when we're talking about pagans, we're not talking about, you know, some ancient civilization where folks were just, you know, didn't wear a lot of clothes and all that stuff and had primitive weapons. Pagans are those who don't know the Lord. You live such good lives among your co-workers that don't know Christ, among your neighbors, among the people that you engage with all the time. Though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they can see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So in order for us to effectively evangelize, our transformed inner lives have to be visible to an outside world. See, there are some people you can't share your faith on your job because you done cut up so bad that nobody want to hear what you got to say. You done kicked stuff over. You done lied on folks. You know, not not y'all, but some of the other saints that go to some other churches. But you done lied on folks. You done spread rumors and gossip. You just are mean and had a bad attitude. You won't hardly work. You're lazy. I'm not talking about (laughs) y'all. Then you want to tell people, people how good God is. And then he said, no, no, don't do it that way. You ought to be the best worker on your job. You ought to be the best worker. You ought to have the best attitude. You ought to, you ought not ever be late and not be, shouldn't be leaving early. You should ask permission. You should do things properly according to company policy. I mean, is that foreign to us? It's not just a job that you're going to. It's just my job. No, it's not just a job. God opened that door for you to get that job so you can be a light wherever you are. Peter said we ought to live such good lives. In other words, keep your behavior excellent. The world is watching and the world is wondering and the world is waiting to be proven right in their accusations against those who are believers. They want to say, yeah, see that? I don't want to know any Christians. That's why they call us hypocrites. They say we're no different than anybody else. I was at a place not too long ago, and 
uh, we were standing around, three or four men, and one of the guys was just talking. I didn't know him, and he didn't know me, and, but the other guys knew me, but he was just talking, and he was just, somebody said something about church. He says, no, you see, you want to know church? All them pastors, they crooked, and all, and he was just going on and on and on. A few minutes, I said, well, well, I, I'm hesitant, but I should invite you to come to my church since I'm the pastor. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, you don't have to apologize. Instead of proving them right by behaving the way they say we behave, we ought to prove them wrong, not by our speech, but by our behavior. Our behavior when the heat is on and when we're frustrated, how are we going to function? Our behavior when our back is against the wall and we don't know what to do. Will we trust God and behave in a godly manner? When others mistreat us and we have a right to respond angrily. We have a right where we forego our right for righteousness. But I will forego my right to keep the peace. Because it's that same neighbor when my alarm was going off on my house, called my phone and said, your burglar alarm is going off. By the time I got there, he says, I've already been around. I've checked everything and I'm standing out here till you get home. The same one. Well, I won't start some stuff over parking when there's plenty of parking. I have a right to, but no. Sometimes you're right and still wrong in your attitude about how you're dealing with what you're right in. Titus 3.8 says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish controversies. We don't even talk about that. Just stay out of foolish controversies, trying to argue about foolish things. Somebody tried to get me in a foolish conversation the other day at the barbershop. I mean, they were going at it. They were talking about church and how things go. And somebody said, Pastor, you going to help him? I said, man, I got too much on my tray. I don't even want to get in the, I, I'm not getting in the conversation. Nobody's going to believe anything different when you get through. No need even talking about it. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because they are unprofitable and useless. I'm not going to sit up here and argue with you about how we need to be baptized. Some folks say, you got to be baptized this way and that way. Okay. What you believe? I'm good with that. Somebody asked me, how do you baptize? I said, in the name of Jesus. They said, well, good. And the Father and the Son. No, that ain't good. I, mean, <laughs> I said, listen, let me tell you something. I'm saved. I believe you're saved. There are some people who are unsaved. Don't spend all your ammunition on me. You go out and talk to somebody who's unsaved. You get them saved. I don't care how you baptize them. I ain't got time for that. So don't just leave me alone. But I'll say it in a kind way. <laughs> Thou shalt leaveth me alone. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. Do you know that? Did you know you're the light of the world? Come on, say, I'm the light of the world. Come on, you're the light of the world. Wherever you are, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The greatest testimony and witness to others is our behavior 
especially under stress and duress. Somebody will see and somebody will glorify the Father. Peter realized that the best opportunity to reach the laws for Christ is to impact the people around us. There's no difference from those who do not believe we cannot influence their coming to Christ. If there's no difference for, for us, we cannot bring people to Christ because of our behavior if we don't behave properly. Effective evangelism flows from the power of a righteous life. How many want to reach people for Jesus Christ? I want you to bow your heads with me. We're going to praise and say, Lord, help us. Whatever we need to change in our life, whatever may be restricting in our life, if people know that you are a believer, they are looking at you and they are making some assessments about our lives. Doesn't mean we always do everything exactly right. When we mess up, let's just get up, get them straightened out, and let's get back on it. They may say, look at you, you messed up. Well, I did mess up. But the thing I like about the Lord, he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he doesn't hold that against us if we get back on the right path. And this is what you ought to do when you mess up. Because the enemy will use that and bring condemnation. You can't tell anybody about how to live. Look at you. Say, no, that's what I did. That's not what I'm doing. I'm moving forward. I asked the Lord to forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. I messed up. But God is faithful to us. Let's pray that the Lord will use our lives. Father, we thank you tonight. We belong to you. You have given us this life. You have placed us in this world, in this culture, in this time, in this season. Father, you said in your word that you want us to be fruitful and produce good fruit in the kingdom. Help us by our life and our lifestyle. Help us by our discipline and our dedication. Help us, almighty God, to live a life that is pleasing unto you. Help us to live a life that those who look at us will see your goodness in us and glorify you, Father, and we thank you for it now. Use our gifts, use our ability. Help us, almighty God, that the fruit of the Spirit will be manifest in our lives, that we'll have love and joy and peace and goodness and gentleness and self-control and patience right now. We'll have the faith that you have given us to speak the word of truth into the lives of people around us. Use every life in this place. Use every heart in this place. Anoint us, almighty God, as we go out that others may come to you because of our influence in their lives. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I want you to take a moment and just think about it. I want to be an influence in the world. I want to be an influence in my world, the world that I function in, the world that I, I come alongside on my job and the people that I know, the friends that I have. I want to be an influence in their lives and ask God to use you. Make yourself available to him. And we thank you. God will use your availability. This is Jerry G. Martin, and we brought you this message today to help you to first recognize the Lord, your God, is one. You don't need any other higher power because God is one and he contains everything you need. If you would like to hear this message again in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast, The Light of the World Daily, 
with Jerry G. Martin. There you can listen to today's message or previous messages that aired on this broadcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast and get a notice that a new podcast is available for your listening enjoyment. I don't have to remind you that we're living in turbulent times. The Spirit of God is reaching out for those of you who don't know Him. If you are ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, you can do so now. If you need us to help you with that or pray with you that God will come into your life, call us right now at our prayer line number of 281-964-1393. Again, that's 281-964-1393. I invite you to join us either in person or online each Sunday at lowcf.org or at our location of 16161 Old Humble Road. Be sure to visit our bookstore. We have it right here on our campus. Call us for church supplies, communion supplies, books or Bibles that you might need at 281-441-2885. Again, that number is 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.